a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We serve a God who loves us so much. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. And we are chosen this morning, and let's just thank him for that.
my cry and my hope is, Lord, that your lost would be set free. The ones who are captive to sin, Lord, in death would be set free this morning. Lord, I especially pray in those of earshot of this, that if there is bondage, Lord, if they do not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that you would free them this morning. That you would capture their hearts, that you would incline their hearts to yours right now, Lord Jesus, and let them hear your sweet voice. We thank you and pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You all can be seated. Thank you, team, for leading us this morning. I'm John, the pastor here. It's great to see everybody. Great to have others who haven't been here for a while back and new guests. It's just great to, to have everybody. And uh, things are returning slowly back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Yeah, amen to that, right? <laughs> Can't wait for, for that, for all the walls and barriers to, to be down uh, again. Uh, before I get into the message this morning, uh, tithes and offerings, this, there's several ways that you can give. Uh, you can simply drop it in the box uh, in the back of the sanctuary here. Uh, there's envelopes if you'd like to use them. You can mail them into our church. You can give online. Um, so I always look at... Uh, as, as tithing as an act of worship, of trust in the Lord. I feel like he's given uh, given me so much, and you know, whatever I give to him is just nominal anyways, right? And it's all his, and I've just found it to be such a blessing in my life. You know, I went, went from, well, it was maybe in my pocket on a given Sunday to strategic and planning and being ready to give to the Lord and how much that has changed. Uh, my life. So I just want to encourage you the blessing of, of giving. But thank you for your giving and generosity and our hope and prayer always is that uh, it's not just to keep on lights or pay staff. We want to build God's kingdom with it. Right. Yeah. And, and so continue to give generously and, um, and see what the Lord does with that. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get into God's word. This is a it's what I would call a topical message this morning. We're on the attributes of God. Uh, we're diverting from, from Mark this morning and, and looking at uh, an attribute on Communion Sunday. You can see that we've been in the attributes of God. These are the things that we've covered, that God is infinite. Uh, he has no limitations. He is without measure. We are. God is incomprehensible. He cannot be fully known. Conversely, you can be fully known. Everything about you can be fully known. Maybe not by me, but uh, by him. The last attribute is God is self-existent. Anything we know is his. It's all owned by him. All creativity is from him and in him. Uh, we can't take any originality. It all comes from God. He completely owns everything, which makes us a what? Steward. Anything that we have. Whatever possession we say is ours, we're merely stewards. For what are we taking into the kingdom? Absolutely nothing but our soul, which is his. <laughs> so now we're on the uh, fourth attribute of God, self-sufficient. Now, this first, these first three attributes, uh, and this fourth one, all have something in common. It's, it's only an attribute of God, not of us. We don't share this attribute uh, with God. So God is self-sufficient. God of infinite provision. 
Let's start it out with this. You heard the, the argument, the debate, which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? And if you believe in the scriptures, which I do, creation, you know that the chicken came first. We're not going to debate that, really, are we? Okay. Uh, I mean, he didn't make an egg, and who sat on the egg then? Okay. So, but here's another, okay, so another debate this morning. Which came first, sin or need? Or did need come first, then sin? In fact, I want to ask you that question this morning. Is need a result of sin? And, and so let's go ahead, just if you... If we'll ask both questions, and uh, whether you believe it is or not, if you believe uh, need is a result of sin, go ahead and just raise your hand. And on Facebook Live, people, I'm not going to trap anybody. I'm not going to come back. So, okay. Well, I'm not. No, there's no definition here. That's a good question, though, isn't it? Yeah. Or who believes that need was first, then sin? Raise your hand. Okay. Just curious what everyone's kind of thinking here. Some of you are afraid to ask or ra raise your hand or not. That's okay too. We'll come back and answer that uh, question uh, towards the end. But think about that question as we go on here. Now, we, uh, our, our country has become so interesting and very self-sufficient. Uh, if you own stock in energy drinks, you're doing quite well. I imagine at one time, if you have stock in energy drinks, we could buy new chairs for this place in here, right? <laughs> Uh, isolation is also on the rise. Uh, we have become uh, very isolated due to this uh, pandemic. Uh, and, and the result uh, is, is that people are, are more tired, um, more mentally ill, and more depressed. There's a long list of things there I, I didn't include in that. So my thought is, I believe the more we attempt to become completely self-sufficient, the more sick physically and mentally and spiritually we become. It's kind of like the anti of the Sabbath. Last week we talked about the Sabbath rest. All these things, self-sufficiency, I think, does the opposite. Because clearly we are not like God, which is self-sufficient. All right, if there's a springboard passage. Again, we're not focused on a, on a particular passage this morning. Um, but uh, go ahead and turn to, turn to Acts, and that'll kind of give us some leverage here uh, in, in, in the direction we're going. Uh, Acts chapter 17, and we'll read verses 24 to 25. And we'll just go ahead and stand for the reading of this particular passage. Go ahead and, and stand if you would. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 to 25. Um, you may have a hard time reading that on the screen, uh, so I encourage you to grab your Bibles. says, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Lord, I thank you for this word and from Acts here, Lord, and, and Lord, this helps me understand what it means that you are all sufficient <laughs> and, and Lord help us to understand this morning what that would mean for our individual lives Lord I pray that we can take this word and this truth Lord and let it have application to our hearts and lives uh, that we can be more like you and to give you more glory in Jesus name we pray amen, amen. thanks for standing I appreciate you standing there
You know, my, my brother and I, uh, for, for a long time, discussed this when we were working together. Uh, this idea that we had is that we were going to, to be done with sleeping at night. Um, and that we would allow our bodies to decide when it would ever need sleep. So our idea was that we would just not go to bed. But when our body demanded it, we would just take a little cat nap and then go on. If we were driving and got tired, we'd pull over and take our little nap and move on. But we finally concluded that we would eventually need sleep, that our bodies would shut down and make us take, you know, that six to eight hours of, of sleep. But, but we wanted to be freed from it. You know, we wanted to be held captive to that particular need uh, in our life. It's kind of the idea of having perpetual energy, right? And, and from the dawn of time, I think different people have tried to create an idea of perpetual energy, self-contained energy, where you don't have to tap into anything else. We make movies about it and what we would attain, do to attain such an energy, like uh, the, the Marvel movies, the blue pill box. All right, I'll stop. Yeah, but this idea, you know, you want that, that perpetual energy. Yeah, um, but only God is self-sufficient. Jen, Jen Wilkins put it like this. God is, in fact, a self-contained source of perpetual and perfect sustenance. Now, after saying that, I want to say something to you that might anger you this morning, that might depress you a little bit, might make you a bit sad and melancholy. Uh, it might even make you want to debate with me. But I want to say this to you, and I want you to hear this. And it's going somewhere. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. Right? Now, the person next to you doesn't believe me right now. So go ahead and tell the person next to you, God doesn't need you. <laughs> Don't all tell Eric. All right. <laughs> Both here. Oh, they all. But listen. Let me just hang with me for a minute here. God, nothing sustains God. Nothing sustains him. God does not need help from anyone or anything. Now, we, we looked at that God is self-existent, and therefore he made everything, and there's nothing made without him. Right? That's, that's what we had looked at. So when the author creates the created, it's... Always in need of the creator. The created is always in need of the creator, not the other way around. On the other hand, God is needed by all and needs nothing from all. Absolutely zero. Think about it this way. You know, we've, if you heard it said we have this God-sized hole that only God can fill. Well, does, does God have a human-sized hole that only humans can fill? Is there a void in God? Ooh. No one's going to raise their hand to that, are they, right? No no way would we say that. There is perfect companionship and mutual love in the Godhead. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in perfect unity in love. He doesn't say to the you are humans, to us. He doesn't say, I am and I need you are humans. He just says what? I am. Right? Uh, he doesn't need us for life. He doesn't even need us for worship. He doesn't need us for, for glory or for, or for purpose. Right. So have I depressed you enough? Yes. Let's keep going. I'm going to go a little further. <laughs> this, is, this is actually good news. It's, uh, it's great news. It's incredible news. Because think about it this way. If he needed us, 
And would we agree that we're all pretty messed up people? So then we would have a pretty messed up God if he really needed us pretty messed up people. And I'm putting myself in the front of the line there. Doesn't really matter even what you do. Whether you believe in him or not. Whether you want to, to worship him with your life or not. Or reject him or even sin. It will all bring glory to him. It always does. I mean, what does he say? Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That's every human being. He'll get the glory. But he doesn't need us for the glory. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 3 to, to 6 says this. Maybe a verse you can write down and come back to later. It's heavy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, I don't want to get into a discussion about predestination, but we can't even take credit for, for the choice, right? I mean, he's chosen us. You're in the Lord. He has chosen you. Say amen. amen. Right? Uh, but, but it's above us, isn't it? And... It speaks to God's sovereignty and his authority and his power and his might. Another way to think about this, have you ever met someone who needs nothing from you? That sometimes is a little frightening. Yeah. You ever been pulled over by a police officer? Eric? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but they're not pulling you over because they need something, right? That's a little frightening and, and intimidating. And, and why, am I, why am I saying... That's you this morning because I think we need to have right fear of God. And that is a little scary when we come before something that doesn't need us. Feel a little bit vulnerable, powerless? We should. I think we need to have right fear of God in order if we're going to come here and worship in spirit and truth, giving him all the glory and honor and power that is due his name. You don't fear him, you can't do that. You've got to have right understanding of who he is. But I believe this is good news. Right understanding of God is always good news. Because God has no need, therefore God has no limits. Hear this for a moment. So our very first attribute of God was that God is infinite, without limit, without measure. If God needed anything, he could therefore be controlled by that limit. It's good news because... He cannot be controlled, enticed, blackmailed, or coerced, right? Yes. We are not like God. We, we have need, and therefore we can be controlled, enticed, or blackmailed. You know, think about this. We have a business term called supply and demand. You don't think you can be enticed by your need? Uh, supply and demand. If the demand is greater than the supply, you're going to pay more. They say, no, I never do that. Well, you've never been to a sporting game and paid $8 for a hot dog? You can go buy 10 packs. You get the non-beef ones. Or, yeah. or go to the movies and buy popcorn for 10 bucks. That big old thing of popcorn probably cost them 47 cents. Supply and demand, right? We can be enticed. We can be controlled and manipulated. Or on the not-so-funny side, think about want and intimacy and loneliness comes 
theft, affairs, materialism, and isolation. That's not so funny. Addiction. <laughs> James 1.13 says, that Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. God has no need nor limit. God cannot be leveraged, but we certainly can. I'm going to say something you're not going to like to hear again. First, I, I said, God doesn't need you. Now, here's the thing that Americans do not like to admit or hear, is that we have great need. See my dramatic intro? We have great need. Perfect. But you don't even want to believe that. You don't want to believe that. In fact, tell the person next to you, you have great need. Because they don't believe it. They won't believe that you have great need. Or they don't, they don't want to admit that they have great need in their life. As Americans, we really have a hard time admitting this. I think it's because we're in all this wealth. We spend our whole life trying our best to get rid of needs or pretend that we don't actually have them. Now, it's a sign of a weakness in our country. Even for Christians, we've equated sin with need. Maybe. Based on that first question a little bit. So is need the result of sin? And I, you know, if I would have not studied this and just asked that question, my first impulse would be, would be to say that, yeah, need is a result of, of sin. But you go back to read Genesis 1 and 2 and, and 3, um, and we see clearly that we are not self-existent, that we had need from the very beginning, before sin. We needed God to give breath to Adam and Eve's formed body, right? God provided of their need of food and water. They had physical and spiritual needs that only God uh, could meet. And this all before the fall. God designed mankind to be dependent upon him so that we might glorify him. But like Adam and Eve and like our sin today, we sin in our disobedient desire to be like God and need nothing. We believe the lies of the enemy. You can be like him. You can know like him. You need nothing. And you don't believe me, sometimes we, we come to church here and we leave, we kind of check our vulnerability and our authenticity at the door. Or we just leave it at home and we put on a pretty good show sometimes. We don't seek medical treatment because we can't admit we're sick. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> we work and exhaust our bodies so hard so we don't even have any more need. We want more uh, than what we need. We don't see reliance on God as an act of worship, but sometimes a weakness. Sometimes we'll say things like, I don't want to bother God with this. We prefer to, to be God and have no need for God. God created us to need Him, and God created us to need others. We're made to need God. We're made to need each other. When God came to save us, he came to save us this way and this way. Because we need him and we need others. First yes. Corinthians 12, 21 says, The eye cannot say to the, to the hand, we don't need you anymore. Nor the head can say to the feet, we don't need you. Right. you know, imagine you waking up in the morning and 
and, and my eyes had said to my hands, go away. We don't want you anymore, nor need you. And my head says the same to my feet. And I wake up and I'm just a stud, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm hungry. So my eyes say, get something to eat. And I can't grab anything because I have no hands. And my head says, go this way, but I have no feet. You know, so it doesn't work, does it? All doing, showing in a ridiculous way how much we really do need each other. Now say to the person next to you, you need me. I say, you really need me. You can't go on without me, can you? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. We need each other. God's designed it that way. I, don't ever say, oh, I just, I just need God. That's it. No, we need God. Absolutely, it's true. We need each other. So the answer to, is need a result of sin? No. Now there is, Kelly, sinful need. Yes. That's what you want to clarify. But I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> God created us needed to need him and each other. Think about sanctification of Christ. If you're still not checking with it. Sanctification of Christ is not about depending on him less. Sanctification in Christ is about depending on him more. And each other. How many one another verses are in the New Testament? Sanctification is about dependence about on him more and more and more. Not less and less and less. Ways in which we endeavor to no longer need God. This is a short list. Little prayer life. And you can put in there little scripture reading life. Little generosity life. We're just not trusting God with our with our time and our resources. Little memory of his promises and what he has done. We soon forget what he's done in our lifetime. We soon forget the greatest need he'll ever meet is salvation. And, and it's, we come to the place as Americans and say, well, what have you done for me lately, Lord? Right? And that is an uh-oh. Absolutely. Little confession of sins. When's the last time you broke before the Lord? Little joy and great triumphs. Uh, James put it like this, consider joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials. And we get to these trials and we're like, why me, Lord? Why are you doing this to me? We forget that God came to save us in this sin-stained, corrupted world. And we're going to have to walk through trials. And we're so worried about why God is doing this to us that we forget that God is calling us to get out of the boat and to walk on the water like Peter did. Yes. To put your eyes fixed on him. Yes. And get out and do things for him and his glory. Yes. And we just, instead of fixing our eyes on him, we fix our eyes on this. Mm -hmm. And you're going down with the ship when that happens. <clears throat> Ways in which we endeavor to no longer need others. Little church life. You're not really the community of believers. And, and I know this is a difficult time to say this, and I'm not Facebook Live folks. I'm glad we have a, an opportunity for you to join in and be here with us. The ultimate plan is to be here together. Some of you are shut-ins, um, and I'm so thankful. We'll continue this when all the barriers are down. Um, some of you need to be at home right now, and I, I, that's awesome. I'm glad we have this connection. But when the opportunity presents itself, we need to be in fellowship together. We need to be in life group um, together. We need to be in class together in our, in our time of, of preaching and of God's word and worship together. We need to be 
together. We need to be doing life together. It's critically important at the right time. <laughs> so, uh, little vulnerability and authenticity, little accountability. Many of you are still just grieving over what happened with Robbie Zacharias and, and the women that he abused and, and how, how come that wasn't stopped. Certainly eyes had to have seen that. You know, and I just think of the word accountability and it's not just about checking in to make sure you're not sitting, but are we walking with the Lord Jesus Christ? And I think as men and women, we need to be doing that even more so now. All right, well, there's, that's a short, short list. So I just want to move the rest of our time that we'll move from, from application of this, that, that God is self-sufficient. And how do we apply that to our lives if we're not that? And, and he is. What's the application of these things? What are some takeaways from this? And then we're going to move into communion. I think the first thing is this. Confess areas of your life where you don't need God. Where have you uninvited God? Where is God not a part of your life? Whether it be relationships, work, your neighborhood, your family, your room. What you do in your room. Is God uninvited from your room? Is God uninvited from your phone? Where is God uninvited? You need to confess that to him this morning. The other one is this. Confess areas of your needy life where you've become resentful. And, and I guess where I'm going with this is, listen, if you live in this world, you're going to have loss. You're going to have loss of body function, loss of relationship. The list goes on and on and on. And if none of those things happen, you're going to get old. You're going to have loss. Like what Jack Bourne said, getting old is not for wimps. <laughs> But we're always going to have loss, but we need to make peace with that loss, whatever it is. We can become resentful and say, Lord, why am I not like I was? But God wants you to make peace with how you are in him now, yes. right? Yes. And, and so maybe you need to, to come to the Lord this morning and just confess, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset that I've lost this in my life. I'm upset. You know, why do I have this in my life? Why do I have mental illness? Why do I have this physical handicap? Why can't I have a job? Why can't I be in a good relationship? You know? Just confess those all to the Lord and let Him meet you in this moment right now. What needy part of your life then can be used for His glory? Kind of let's flip this around. Philippians 4.19 and my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's going to supply all your needs. And where are you most needy? Use that for his glory. Use that for his kingdom. Yes. And that's where he wants to do his best work in your life. And that's where he can take this messed up life and make it this incredible message and point people to him. Yes. So where do you need to let God in? And just confess that to him, that needy part of your life, that lost part of your life, and just give it over to him. And what mark of self-sufficiency does God want you to work on? And that's that list I made. And again, that's a short, short list. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's the, the basics of, of being alone with the Lord. and Following Jesus Christ, this is the basics of following Jesus Christ, being in word and truth and prayer. You know, and and if, to me, if you're not, you're just practicing the religion of, of being evangelical. That's not being a Christ follower. So maybe it's that first one. You've got to commit to be in God's Word. Bobby, I appreciate that reminder you gave us earlier. Um, but pick one of these. Which one do you need to work on the most? 
Let it begin now. Surrender it to the Lord. List the difference between needs and wants. There we go. Sinful need. That'll help you if you, if you if you make a list between needs and wants. What are genuine, real needs? What are wants? That might help you. There might be a little family devotion you could do. Uh, and I might encourage us as a family to do that today. Um, but, but what are the difference between needs and wants? And, and then maybe you take that needs list and say, how is God meeting that need? And look for his hand in it. Kids, all right, so did you see what I had you do? There was no secret message. I had you decode a message. Did you do it? Maybe not. All right, I'll give parents a shot at this. Anybody decode the secret message today? Anybody want to try it? You got it? Okay, let's hear it, Cheryl. Make sure, so make sure she gets one of the kids prizes. Yeah, God, you have everything I will ever need. There's your secret message. Kids, make sure you see her. So she just wants to connect with you afterwards and give you a little something. But it's just a statement. It's a prayer. It's a confession. God, you have everything I will ever need. Lord, I need thee every moment, right? It's true. He has everything you'll ever need. And I promise you, if you're going somewhere else to fill that void or that vacuum in your life, you're miserable. God has not met that need. He's not allowed him to. So I want to go into a time of prayer here and just lead you in. Did I put anything on prayer in my PowerPoint? I did. Oh, that's nothing. Okay. I didn't put any words in there. You, you leave it there. Um, three things I thought we could pray about this morning is, is number one, God, uh, confess, God, you don't need my service. You don't need me. You don't need me. Just, maybe we just need to start there. And say, God, you're all powerful and you don't need me and I'm a little scared right now. We might pray that. Uh, second one is this. God doesn't need you, but he sure does want you. We're going to talk about this when we get back to the communion here in a few minutes. God doesn't need you, but he sure does want you. To reaffirm that in our prayer this morning, thank you, God, that you want me, even though you don't need me. And then finally, commit yourself anew to him. Reaffirm your commitment to him this morning. So I want to lead us in that prayer. And then I want to pray over our elders. I mentioned accountability and our elders here. And it would be good for you to see who they are, those that are here this morning. And I want us to pray over them. So that's going to be our time of prayer. Would you, would you go uh, and, and pray with me for a few moments? And I might have you even, you can, when I have you do this prayer, you're welcome. If you want to do it out loud or, or to do it quietly. But let's, let's pray. Lord, we come before you. And, and Lord, I just want to begin with confessing, Lord, that I recognize that you don't need me, Lord. You don't need me. Lord, you don't need my service. You don't need anything that I can do or accomplish. You don't need me for your second coming. I just So you can confess that to the Lord now. Go ahead and do that. Lord, here at the same time, I want to recognize that you want us, that you love us. Lord, that you may not need us, but you sure, sure have done so much for us to demonstrate that want for us. So, Lord, I just I come before you in these moments right now and just want to say thank you. Just speak out 
something grateful to the Lord. Just say to him, Lord, thank you. Maybe it's just, Lord, thank you that you want me. Thank you that you are something about him and attribute. Just go ahead and speak that out now. Yes. Yes. Thank you that you are holy and perfect. Thank you, Lord, that you would want something that is not holy and perfect. And now's your opportunity in your heart or even out loud just to reaffirm that God wants you personally. He knows you by name. He formed you in your mother's womb. That he loves you, that you are special and dear and precious to him. You've not gone too far. (laughs) You've not got to a place where the blood of Jesus Christ can't purchase you. Just reaffirm that. Reaffirm your commitment to him in these moments right now. Your dedication to him. You can reaffirm your doubts. Confess those doubts and just reaffirm that he is Lord, that he sits on the throne. Reaffirm your commitment to him in these moments right now. If you're willing to speak this out, just say say this right now. Lord, I I know you don't need me, but I thank you that you want me. Lord, I know that you don't need me, but I thank you that you want me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. I want to also take a moment to pray over our elders for our communion Sunday here. I like our elders that are here. There might be few in number today. Would you guys just come up here? Don't be shy. Don't make me call you out by name, Eric. Again. And I want a few others who might just feel led to pray over them. Come on up, too. All right, we've got three elders here. Tom is recovering from a... Come here in the middle, guys. Tom is recovering. Yeah, Brian, James. All right, we got more. I guess we're just missing uh, Tom, Tom at home recovering. And again, if you're willing to come up and pray over uh, these guys here, would you... Uh, go ahead and come up here to the stage with me. Don't be shy. Don't make me start naming people. There you go. There you go. And if more than one comes, that's fine. I won't have you all pray through the mic, but I'll have a few of you pray. And then anybody's welcome. Now come on up here, guys. I just want to pray with them, and, and, and uh, I'll have a few of you pray. I guess since you two made it closer to me first, uh, Donald and, and Bobby there. Oh, you want to defer to my All right. Bob, Donald and Mike, you guys are praying to our elders here. Pray for Tom, too. He's healing from a, a, a minor surgery. Um, and then the rest of you, if you feel so inclined, those on Facebook Live, um, if you feel comfortable to, to just reach your hands out to these guys um, uh, and praying over them and, and um, at home whether you're, or you're here. All right. Donald, would you begin? Yeah, you can hold it. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to your throne of grace and mercy. Well, Lord, we're praying for those uh, gentlemen that you have put in office. Yeah. We thank you so much for them, Lord, that they love your fellowship, they love your people. Also, praying for a special prayer for Tom. 
Tom will be here doing the same, Lord. We know that. Pray that you continue watching over him as well, Lord. Bless him in a special way. Praying for the elders, Lord, that you continue strengthening them, strengthening their love and their care. Give them more compassion for your people. Oh, Lord, we thank you for that. Just praying, Lord, that uh, this day, Heavenly Father, that you make a change in their lives, a big change that they never, ever experienced. So they know it's you working in their lives, Heavenly Father. So we just come this morning, Lord, just praying for those that you have put in position, Lord, and that you have put authority amongst your children. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. We thank you, Lord. And we don't uh, want to say things, Lord, that uh, it's not appropriate, but we do want to say that we love you. We know that you don't need us, but we do need all of you, Heavenly Father. Yes. Yes, we need you from the time we get up to the time we go down. That's Lord. right. And we thank you for that, Lord, that you have even allowed that to happen, Lord. So as I pass this on, just saying thank you for your love, thank you. your compassion. Thank you for this fellowship. And most of all, Lord, I just want to thank you for your mighty, mighty, loving son, Jesus, Lord, that was obedient and came down on earth, Lord. Thank you again for that. Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for using these men to meet our need for leadership. Yes. We pray, Father, that uh, as you guide them, we ask that you would grant them wisdom. Yes. Make us a people, Father, that we would be a joy for them to lead and not a burden. Yes. I praise you, Father, for the fact that you have uh, sent your Son, our Lord Jesus, to win the victory on the cross and to give us the ability to approach your throne boldly yes. in Jesus' name so right. that we might receive our needs. I thank you, Father, for these men. Yes. I pray, Father, not only that you would grant them wisdom to meet their need in terms of their leading, but also, Father, give them insight Give them the uh, great compassion and love of Jesus Christ. Yes. Father, open their hearts to, and their eyes to see your glory. Yes, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We pray also for Pastor John and, yes. and for meeting his needs. Yes. That you yes. have led each one of these men yes. to Jesus Christ. So that we have them as your gift to us. Yes. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, because you're the one that did it. And in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys as elders. And I tell you, these guys, uh, they're getting some difficult. You guys can sit down. They just, there's diff, you need to, I want you to see them, you see their faces here, and to be just praying for them. But we're, we get into difficult situations. Um, we're put in very awkward situations, difficult situations, and, and we, we, we look to the word of the Lord for direction, and, and um, just leave it at that. They just, they, these are all men who realize that they desperately need Jesus Christ, um, and, and they know that um, they are fully dependent upon him. So I'm just grateful for them, and, and just wanted them before you so you could be praying for them. To, you know, I talked to uh, when I first came to this church. It struggled a little bit in the beginning, and 
And I remember this pastor who was mentoring me, he told me, he says, you know, I love my elders. You need to be close to your elders. You know, we love each other. We go on vacation together. We trust each other. I'm like, I wish I had that. <laughs> and then it didn't take long before I had that, you know, and I trust these guys and their families and trust you just with, with my, my life. So just, just grateful. Well, let's move into communion here, team. Why don't you guys come on up here? God doesn't need you, but he sure does want you. So if you were depressed in the beginning that God doesn't need you, you should rejoice in the fact that God sure does want you. You know, the incarnate Christ experienced our need as a human being. Jesus never ceased being God, but at the same time experienced all the need we have as human beings. The need of food and water and shelter and rest and companionship. It's all there in the Gospels, the need that he experienced. And he modeled for us after 40 days of fasting, being in great need of food, being um, attacked by the evil one, offered the world to Jesus in that moment without dying on the cross. But he denied himself and committed to the Father's will. I think of that model and trying to think of my life I'm someone willing to give their life for me. And I do have a couple of occasions and won't tell the story other than a man was trying, was coming after me with a butcher knife and trying to kill me. And I'll never forget my Older brother, has done before, stand between me and that man, you know, risking his life. He had nothing to gain there, right? How much more so in Jesus Christ, who had no sin, willing to stand before the Father and the fallen humanity and conquering death. He had no need for us. You know, how much does Jesus want you? <laughs> I'm telling you, each of you, personally, individually, he died for you. He died for you. That's how much he wants you. And if you think you've gone too far, you think you've messed up your life, and you're beyond this Jesus Christ, and he wouldn't want someone like me, that's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie. The Lord died for you. You understand who Jesus Christ is and the penalty that he paid for you? All you need to do now is receive him as your Lord and Savior. And you'll walk from death into life. Some of you, many of you have done that. Some of you still need to make that decision. But Jesus met our greatest need that is salvation. We can trust him with our little needs. Jesus bled and died that we might have communion with him. Hebrews 1.3 says, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand, majesty on high. Amen. That's, that's who we're coming to this morning. This morning, if you, haven't, if you still haven't gotten it, make sure you get your communion elements and maybe you've worked on opening it. <laughs> Good for you. You got it open. That's the first step. Sometimes it pays to be gluten-free, right, Elijah? Um, but we're coming to this communion table. We're coming to the God who does not need us, but he sure does want us. And you don't need to be a member here to participate in communion. Obviously, you're at home, too, and 
Hey, if you haven't gotten your communion elements, you can, great thing about that, you can pause the video. <laughs> and you'll come right back to right now. So go get your communion elements and, and come back to us. But um, And in here again, if you haven't gotten one, they're right here in the back. But you don't need to be a member. We encourage your relationship with the Lord. And maybe this is the first time. Maybe you come to this communion table and say, Jesus Christ, I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. I thank you that you paid the price. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And surrender it. And when you surrender your life to the Lord, it's not imprisonment. It's freedom. It's amazing freedom. I lived 25 years of my life in prison. I can tell you that the second 25 years were in freedom. I will never go back. Never go back to that former life without him. God doesn't need you, but he sure does want you. Jesus was with his disciples, and he was about ready to show the extent of his love for them. And he took bread and he broke it, and he said, Do this in remembrance of me. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which has been poured out for many, and hopefully for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I know that you didn't need me. Somehow in your wisdom and discernment, Lord, you chose me. You wanted me. I can't comprehend that, Lord. I'm just grateful that you did. Lord, I pray that none this morning will not leave here, Lord, without coming to the throne of grace. The mercy to come into the, to the true communion table with your body broken and your blood shed for our sins. Lord, bring healing and remittances. Sanctuary right now, Lord. Touch hearts. Move hearts. We love you, Lord Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. We're going to do two songs here, yeah, and just lead us and your time to respond and there's something the Lord wants to talk to you about. Talk to him. You can stay where you're put. You can come forward. If you have a prayer need, come before and pray and talk to the Lord. And uh, for
For, uh, we have our tithes and offerings. Uh, if you'd like to give and you're here at this church, uh, you can simply put it in the box in the back of the sanctuary. If you'd like to give online, you can do that by downloading the Tithely app and looking up the Crosswalk Church. Four words, the Crosswalk Church, and then you'll be able to, uh, to find us. And People have asked, well, what if I want to give to the Great Commission Fund or, or if I want to give to Envision or something, a uh, missions trip coming up? You can just simply mark that on the Tithely app. There's an opportunity for that. And you can also um, put it in the memo of your check if you'd like to do that. So there's just several ways to give. Appreciate your generosity and giving. Uh, it's, trust that it's building God's kingdom here, um, not just in Reynoldsburg, uh, but beyond is, our, is the heart of our church. So with that, uh, speaking of the heart of our church, I'd like to eat, uh, invite Cheryl on up from the Heart Food Pantry. Uh, would everybody welcome her? Yeah. Uh, this is Sharon. We've been uh, getting to our food pantry. You welcome to come up or stay down, whatever you want to do, Cheryl. Uh, at one time, we were very active in getting to that regularly, and I thought it'd be a good time to bring some attention to that. Cheryl, why don't you share with us what's going on there? Thank you. Yeah. Give me a mic, and I might start preaching. Uh, well, it is just so wonderful to be with you this morning. I appreciate the spirit uh, that I felt here already this morning in your worship. And um, I wanted to just share a few things about you. Thank you for the invitation. Beverly called and said, can you come and speak? I'm the executive director for Heart. We're located on East Main Street. Um, how many of you are familiar with Heart? Good. Do you know we've been here 10 years now? I know, right? So um, I'll give you just a touch of a background. Uh, we were in a, a small uh, storefront where we are located now in a one-unit building, and we're serving about 250 folks um, throughout the month. Uh, God blessed that, and uh, eventually, about three years ago, Mid-Ohio, um, how many are familiar with Mid-Ohio Food Collective? sent out a note to everyone and said, hey, we want to expand, we want to bless the pantries, we want you to expand, are you in? And so Hart, in their wisdom, contacted Mid-Ohio and said, yeah, we'd like, to, we'd like to talk to you about this. We want to expand the community. And um, we eventually became a partner with Mid-Ohio Food Bank, so we're partners in the pantry area. But then on the other side of the coin, we also offer wraparound services, so connections to resources that will help you move from a poverty situation to becoming, um, you know, God-reliant and self-sufficient. And um, what we like to do is identify what are some of the key things that you need to help move forward. So is it jobs? Is it workforce development? Is, is, it, is it some sort of counseling? Um, do you need child care? So we are expanding that more and more. Well, kind of fast forward a little bit to uh, a year or so ago, I joined Heart in December, um, December 16th, as a matter of fact, over a year ago, and really came to just love the neighbors, love the neighborhood, and at that time, um, now mind you, I'm brand new, <laughs> they don't really know who I am other than the fact that I've been in nonprofit work for a number of years, and I said, uh, we need to expand. We need to move. We cannot handle this uh, in our current location. And they had just moved there. So um, that wasn't lost to me. I was telling the board, we need to move. 
And we began praying about it. At that time, um, I told him in February, it's like, we're going to start seeing about 1,200 people a week. Let's think in a minute. 1,200 people a week. And we achieved that. And I was just really feeling impressed that God was saying, we're, we're going to expand your territory. Yeah. And um, with that, going from serving 250 people per month to 1,200 people a week, and that represented over 5,000 individuals. Um, God was blessing and um, uh, put us in a place where we were also working with the um, school district. You might want to know that the school district experiences 68% of our student population are at risk. 68%. We feel called to serve. That's 68% and beyond. So we serve the Reynoldsburg School District and the east side uh, surrounding communities. Currently, when COVID hit, that was within two months of my being there, um, we had to change everything that we did. We really had to look at the situation and say, how are we going to continue serving this many people? And we took it outside. So we started serving and putting boxes together and taking them out. We had fabulous volunteers. I need to tell you, we were missing volunteers and we began to pray and volunteers just started showing up. They didn't sign in, they just started showing up. When we lacked bread, we'd pray for bread. Bread would come. You know, so, um, forgive me this. <laughs> when you see God in the mix, it's not a job, it's not a chore, it's our ministry. It's our vision to serve the community. I can't tell you the number of times, even though we had to serve outside and have cars lined up and forgive us for taking up Main Street at the very beginning. When they were backed up to Bryce Road, and we know that. And we called the police in, and the police was, they were gracious. Mayor was gracious. We'll help you in any way we can. And uh, we have been trying our best to keep them off of Main Street. But we're there to serve. And we're, um, as we were serving in the cars, I can't tell you the number of times people would drive up and we'd be able to pray with them. That was one of the big things that was a concern for me. How do we maintain the relationship? How do we continue to serve when we had to change everything? And um, God provided he provided ways for us to talk to folks, you know, and continue the communication. So this morning, I just want to put before you that if you are inclined to uh, partner with us, whether it's financially or volunteering, I know there's a food drive started out in the back there that Beverly started. Um, we'd love to have you. We're all in this together. We, um, you know, the one thing, you know, this morning we were talking to Tara, we, I was really appreciated your, your um, message there. Heart is a place where it's not divisive. Everyone comes to heart because they have a need. And there's an old song, I don't know if you've ever heard it, you know, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. So that's how we want to live. We want to be, uh, you know, God-like, Christ-like in our approach. There is no barrier. Everybody is welcome. Can I say that again? Everybody is welcome. 
He has blessed us with a number of um, different churches and denominations and in countries, Nepali, Somali, <laughs> African American, Native American, they all come together at the foot of the cross and are treated equally. So we really appreciate everything that you have done. We appreciate you um, continuing to support. And we appreciate that there's a desire to continue and to grow in that partnership. And forgive me, I'm, I'm breaking up a little bit because I've been battling like a sinusitis. <laughs> so um, I would just uh, encourage you to come and take a tour. We do it very safely. We do it COVID friendly. Go on our Facebook, go on our online, take a look at who we are. And again, I've left a couple of cards with Beverly and the pastor. You're more than welcome to call me personally. My cell phone number's in there. I'd be happy to take you through and show you what we do. But thank you so much for being gracious enough to have me in. And uh, I appreciate the partnership that we're going to continue to grow. Thank you. And you can see that just you can get on the page yourself and see ways, uh, three ways that you can help. I, I heard this morning, really four, but uh, uh, you can donate money. Um, you can bring in food here and uh, Cheryl will keep the uh, calendar updated and let you know what to be bringing in on a monthly basis. You can donate your time. And of course, we can pray. That's the that's the fourth thing. Um, so. Um, so see how you might want to help there. At one time, we were very involved with, with Hard, and it's probably time to get back involved as they're serving over 5,000 <laughs> on a monthly basis. Yeah, there's, there's definitely need out there. All right, well, let's get into God's Word this morning. We're in Mark chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 6. The title of this morning's message, If Looks Could Kill. <laughs> Crystal said to me this morning, <laughs> she says, some people have said that about me sometimes. So that's not true. <laughs> well, you know, when, growing up, uh, well, maybe teenage, high school years into college, you know, I would, uh, a look would start a fight. I mean, the way you looked at someone and the way they looked back at you, it wouldn't be engagement for a fight. It could even be driving by. And I'd, I'd look at them and they'd look at me, car gets stopped, there's a fight. That's, that's how I was. And why was that? Because I was looking for someone looking for a fight. Right? If, if looks could kill. I want to ask you a question about looking. How do you look at God? What is your, what is your view on God? I'm thinking, you know, some of you, you've heard me say this before, look at God as sugar daddy. As the uh, giver of all your needs. And that's, that's what you're here for, is for Him to meet your need. Or maybe you're looking at Him with anger. Uh, you're looking at your life situation and you're just mad at, at God for the health that you are in or the health of a loved one. Or, or maybe you're even angry about yourself and the health that you're in right now. Maybe you're looking at him uh, with doubt because the people around you are treating you poorly. And you're wondering why God's allowing this. How are you looking at the Lord? Or maybe another question that you could consider this morning is what are you looking for? In Jesus Christ. What are you looking for? I want you to just contemplate those questions this morning. Last two weeks ago, I guess, when we were in, in Mark, Jesus said two significant things about the Sabbath. He said, number one, 
that man was not made for the Sabbath, what? Sabbath was made for man. Absolutely. And then the second thing he said, which was kind of a, a gasping moment in the, in the day and age that he said it, he said, the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Well, in Mark chapter 3 here, Jesus is going to show exactly what that means. So if you would stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Lord Jesus, we just come before you, and Lord, it just caught my heart when I read that you were grieved at their hardness and Lord, if there's any hardness in our heart, Lord, would you reveal that to us this morning? We do not yes. want to grieve you in any way. Yes. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. I appreciate it. <clears throat> so he comes into a, a synagogue, uh, one that he was still welcome at anyways. Uh, remember the difference between the temple. One temple, you know, giant, magnificent building. Synagogues were in many different villages. If you had 10, 10 Jewish men, you could have a synagogue. So Jesus was invited into this particular one, and a man came in with a withered hand, uh, weakness of hand, loss of strength in hand. And the, the language in, in, the, um, in, the, in the Greek here seems to indicate that he was not born this way. That something occurred to him in his life uh, where he became disabled. In, in fact, some other sources that are not canonized, that are not scriptured, indicates that this man was actually a potter and has lost his ability uh, to become a potter, so lost his way of, of living. So a very significant event for this particular man. Uh, whether that's true or not, there's other sources. It probably is true that he lost his way, whatever he was, was doing, he could not do anymore. So he lost his income. It says that they were watching him. Who's the they? Well, the they here is the Pharisees. And we're watching him. Who's the him here? Jesus. The Pharisees were watching Jesus to see if he'd heal him on the Sabbath so that they could accuse him. Now, the Greek word for, for watching uh, gives an indication of looking through the corner of your eye. Uh, yeah. If looks could kill, right? Um, and, and in such a way that they were looking for something. You ever thought something about another human being and then you start looking for a certain attitude or behavior to go, see, I told you. <laughs> That's the idea here. Or, or, or like when I was a teenager, looking for a fight. You know, you're looking for something. And then you justify yourself once you see it. What were they wanting to accuse him of? I mean, you're allowed to heal somebody on the, on the Sabbath, but... You're allowed to heal somebody on the Sabbath only if their life was in jeopardy. 
Only if there were life and death situation could you really bring healing. For example, if you were a mama and you're having a baby on the Sabbath, we could help you. <laughs> That's good news. But if you're walking outside and a tree falls on you, we can move the tree. But if you're dead, we just got to leave you there. We don't move your body. If you're hurt, we can help you up. However, if you've got a broken limb or something fractured, tough luck. That's not, your life is not in danger. Or if you cut yourself and you're bleeding, we could wrap it in a bandage, uh, but no ointment, because that would make it better. You can only just keep it from getting worse. Or on the other hand, too, people felt it was a great, juice. some men uh, believed it was a great honor to die on the Sabbath if someone was attacking you and you did not resist. It was a great honor to die that way. Yeah, in fact, uh, I believe the Romans had serious issues with uh, recruiting Jewish men into the military because of the Sabbath. They would rather die uh, than resist an attacker. So that's the, you understand here the situation why they wanted to see if Jesus was going to heal this man whose life was not in jeopardy? That's the situation we're in right here. So I want you to take note of something in here. It says in here they were watching to see if he would heal him. Notice it doesn't say could heal him. There's two implications that come out of this. So the Jews believed he definitely could heal him. Or I'm sorry, the Jews. The Pharisees believed that, they, that, that Jesus definitely had the power to heal. So out of this comes two implications. Um, there's a lot of implications, but... But the first one is this. They were so caught up in legalism that legality, legalism was greater than mercy. And as a result, divine healing was somehow a betrayal of true worship, somehow a betrayal of the Sabbath day. Not to mention an indication that the Messiah had arrived. They were so caught up in legalism. The second thing is this, uh, and I think this implicates all of us. Again, they believed he could. They only wondered if he would. Are you at the point of faith in your life that you believe Jesus can? I, this is where I identify with the Pharisees' belief. I believe Jesus can heal. I just don't always know if he will. I don't always know if it fits in his sovereign will. Right? So I certainly ask for healing. I know that he can. <laughs> If it's in alignment with the will of God, right? So there's a big difference there. Do you believe he can heal? I believe Jesus is our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and coming King. Do you really believe that? Could I, would it be fair to say, I'll, we'll find out in a little bit here when I offer opportunity for healing. If, you're, if you need healing physically, if you struggle with mental illness, are you going to come forward uh, and follow what the scriptures say and be anointed with oil and prayed for by the elders? I think if you believe that you could be healed, you might do that. Or think about this. Let me just hammer it just a little bit this way. And whatever your situation is, if all of a sudden the doctor calls and says, we've got a pill for it. <laughs> uh, you know, your physical condition, come get a pill. Come right now. Your mental illness, come get a pill. We'll take care of it right now. Would you go? I think you probably would. Because you believe that could, that could heal you, Right. Do you believe Jesus can heal you or not? I follow the scriptures. And I was really sick. I got chigunya from the Dominican Republic. Don't worry, aerosol. It's not there anymore. Sammy's not going to get it. 
Um, you know, and I was very disabled at a point here at this church. And I'd been already prayed for, but I wanted to do it again. And in January, I came and sat in this front pew. I think I sat right there. They anointed me with oil, and that day things changed for me. Yeah. Donald, you came in here on a cane, and you were right over here. You prayed to the Lord. We didn't even anoint you with oil. You just prayed for healing, and the Lord healed you. And did you not tell me that you went to the doctors and they couldn't find the bullets that had been in your leg? <laughs> I don't know what happened to the bullets. I didn't know either, but I just know you asked for healing. Jesus can heal. All right, can you hear that this morning? Jesus can heal. All right, that's where I identify with the, with the Pharisees. I believe Jesus can. I don't know that he always will because of his sovereign will. And I trust his sovereign will if the answer is no, yes, or wait. Okay. Let me find out where I was. <laughs> so he says to the man with the, the withered hand, get up and come forward. Now, before you think, man, Jesus is really putting this poor guy on the spot, <laughs> you know, in front of everybody. The Pharisees have already done that. In fact, in Matthew's account, it says um, that they were questioning Jesus about this man. You know, they're like, hey, Jesus, there's Willie the withered man, you know. Can you heal old Willie here, Jesus, on the, you know, on the Sabbath in the synagogue here? They didn't say that exactly, but it just seems they were all drawing attention on him anyways. Now, Jesus could have waited till later, right? Till after the Sabbath. But he wanted those present, specifically the Pharisees, to know the true meaning of the, of the Sabbath. To know that the Sabbath was made for man. To know that the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. I also believe he was trying to soften the hearts of the Pharisees, making an appeal to them through the healing of this man. You know, man stood before Jesus in great need. He stood in before Jesus in need of, of healing. He, he stood before Jesus in need of provision. He stood before Jesus in need of employment, right? The need, the need was present. You know, last week we looked at God is all-sufficient, and that, that God has no need. And we looked at God doesn't need me, and God doesn't need you, right? God doesn't need you, but what? He sure does want you. Absolutely. Absolutely He wants you. Isn't that amazing? The man's need was right now, not when the Pharisees dictated that need. And in God's sovereign will, the need was to be met in that moment. So he says to the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath to, to do good or to harm or to save or to kill? Why did the Pharisees stay silent? Because they believed it was okay to do good on the Sabbath and wrong to harm. Well, because in perfect fashion, the question that Jesus asked implicates the guilty. In great irony, Jesus intentions were to heal and to redeem where the intentions were of the pharisees were to trap and to kill now, the pharisees did not permit mercy to heal on the sabbath jesus found it lawful on the sabbath to do what pleased god where the pharisees did what was unlawful to only please themselves in fact uh, isaiah 58 has very messianic implications um, and speaks of the sabbath and this is where the Pharisees were breaking it themselves. Isaiah 58, 13. 
If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own words. <laughs> the Pharisees were doing the complete opposite of it. And how did Jesus respond to what the Pharisees were doing? This is a significant verse to me and one to pause on for a few moments. Jesus says he was looking around with anger, not suspicion, with anger. The Greek word for anger is, is orge. And, and that word anger, orge, uh, it, it means wrath. It's in fact translated 31 times wrath and only like three times anger. Why, why was there wrath? And, and anger in Jesus' heart as he was looking at, at these Pharisees. Because the Pharisees' traditions violated Christ's compassions. They cared, in Matthew's version, I think chapter 12, more about sheep than they, they did people. Jesus says, you know, if a sheep falls down in a pit, you're going to go help that sheep out. How much more important are human beings? You guys care more about animals than you do people. More specifically, I think it's probably in the lines of John 3.36, this orge, this anger and wrath. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the orge, the wrath of God, will abide in him. I think that's a fair question to ask each and every one, those who have joined us on Facebook Live. Do you believe that in the Son there's eternal life? Do you believe? Do you have faith? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because that's the only way to eternal life. The word for grief here, it says that he grieved. It's only used one time and it's right here. And it indicates deep, deep sorrow. I think it's the counterpart to Splagizomai where it's deep, deep compassion here we have deep, deep sorrow at the hardness of their heart. You know, why was, why was he grieved here? Well, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And these Pharisees were lost. Remember when Jesus said, recorded in Luke chapter 13, 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who sent her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her chicks. <laughs> but you would not have it. They were breaking Jesus' heart because their, their, their hearts were stones. Hardness. The Greek word for hardness is porosis. And the root word for that means stupidity, callousness, hardness, blindness. He was grieving over the blindness and hardness of their heart. Ephesians 4.18, Paul puts it like this, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the porosis, the, the hardness, the, the callousness, the stupidity of their heart. Yeah, Jesus was deeply grieved over the Pharisees because he came to die for them too. But their hearts were hard. So Jesus puts his focus on the one who would receive it, and that was Willie the Withered. <laughs> Old 
Old Willie, right? Town by making fun of him and walking around. Kids joked about his deformity. Jesus didn't find it funny. Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. In an act of faith, the man stretched out his hand and the spoken Word of God healed him. Just as God spoke this very world into existence, when Jesus speaks, it is authority. He is God and He healed this man's hand. And his life was forever changed and it says that his hand was restored. So how did the Pharisees respond to this? Were their hearts melted and see, oh my goodness, the Messiah has arrived. We've never seen anything like this before. This man can heal with his words. Our hearts are melted and changed before you. Forgive us, O Lord. No, it's not what happened. Pharisees went out immediately and began to conspire with the Herodians. And they were wanting to destroy Jesus. Now, I would imagine at any given time period, the Pharisees would never, ever, ever unite with someone who supported Rome. Now, those, I believe the Herodians were were Jewish people, but they supported Rome. And they were considered unclean by Pharisees. In fact, how many times had Jesus been accused of being unclean and the Pharisees would have nothing to do with him? Yet, they were with these Herodians. But when one is spiritually blind, there is no moral boundary that will hold the temptation of the flesh. And these men were spiritually blind. Hear this for a moment. These Pharisees align with the political power of their day. The Pharisees align with the political power of their day. They joined their enemy who did not share their laws or their values or their ways or their religion. They they wanted their version of morality and truth and justice and power legislated. (laughs) They were willing to make an unholy alliance to accomplish their short-term goals. I don't think we have to search too hard to find an example of that. I see it happening before our eyes. I'll come back to that in just a, a few moments. But in the end, they, they, the long-term effect was they lost their soul. They sold their soul. Luke 6.11 tells us that they were filled with rage and discussed together how might they destroy Jesus. Left with rage when Jesus healed a man who'd been disabled. How does that happen? Hardness of heart. See, Jesus threatened their way in which they believed that they related to God. To them, law did not reveal their fallen, fallenness. Jesus was, the Messiah was not the completion of the law. It justified their flesh. Their legalism and religion was their way to God. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Is it possible that evangelicalism has become your way to God? Well, I'm an evangelical, evangelical Christian. No, I'm just asking you the question, has evangelicalism become your way to God? Has it become a religion in which you now approach God? Because last I checked, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no man can come to the Father except through me. I'm not going to flesh this question out. I'll come back to it in application in just a few moments here. But, but has it become a religion in your way to God? rather than Christ. There's a big difference there. 
In the end, the, the, the crippled man went home healed, restored, renewed, probably started up his old pottery machine and started making pots again, if that's true. The Pharisees, left in a rage, determined to remove the long-awaited Messiah from their lives and from this earth. Jesus left determined to accomplish the will of the Father. So in view of this passage, there are several ways in which you can go home today. You can go unchanged, determined to go on a path of destruction and remain spiritually bankrupt. Just to keep your heart hardened. Keep it the same as when you entered in here. You can leave that way. Or you can be more like Christ, determined to accomplish the will of God. That comes through surrender. Holy surrender before the Lord. Or you can leave here sick, in need of healing, physically or mentally ill, with no hope of healing. And how do you leave here like that? Well, you just leave. <laughs> don't do anything. You don't have to make any decisions. You just leave and you'll leave the same. Or you can leave here sick, maybe physically, mentally, spiritually, with great hope. And how do you do that? <laughs> well, you surrender. You put your trust in the Lord. You might, Jesus might ask you to reach out your hand. So we'll hear that if that's the Lord. You'll hear that if the Lord's calling you to do that this morning. Well, let's move into some application of this passage here. Uh, I, heard, I heard this week someone say, um, the, lie, the lies are loud, so sometimes we need to shout the truth. <laughs> the lies are loud, sometimes we need to shout the truth. I heard my wife say that. <laughs> I wrote it down. I was working on my message. I'm like, yeah, I'm, that's going in the sermon somewhere. <laughs> Wait to hear about the sheep. We'll do that next week, maybe. <laughs> Oh, farmer! We'll tell that story next week. I think it's got some great application. Bobby helped me connect it this morning. All right. Lies are, are loud, so let's shout the truth. Here's some truths. Do you care more about tradition and programs, the way we do things and how we do them, than people? Do you care about animals more than you do people? That's just connecting right back. We're in this very story in Matthew's account. That's what Jesus accused the Pharisees of having a heart and a heart. You care more about animals than you do us people. If you're saying right now, well, you don't know old Scruffy. Old Scruffy's special. Yeah, I believe old Scruffy is. But it's not more, in person, more important than the person next to you. Right? So I'm just saying, if that's a belief in you and you, you'd rather be around animals than you would people, there's hardness, in, hardness of heart. You need to repent of that. All right. Confess any unholy alliance you have made. Confess any unholy alliance you have made. I'm just reflecting on 2020. And my heart was broken to see the way Christians were treating each other in the name of politics. It's like they were giving themselves to Caesar. <laughs> and we're supposed to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You know, it, and if you put anything in front of the name of Christian. If you put your, you know, first Republican Christian and then Democratic Christian, your, your heart's been hardened. And I'm not, I'm not speaking to anybody here. Don't try to go back and say, I think he's giving me a secret message. I'm not. I'm speaking in general. And, and we are Christ first people. 
We are bonded together by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are one in Christ. And if there's anything in front of that, you need to repent of that. Let's not go back to 2020 ever again in the way that I saw Christians treating each other. That was just ugly. We, if we need the, our government to be the church for us, we're in trouble, folks. We need to be the church. We need to be the light. We need to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. And we need to come together as a church family. And that's what the Pharisees did. They sold their hearts to the political force of that day. And if, that's, if you've done that, you need to repent of that. There's hardness of heart. Are there any ways... Oh, I skipped one, sorry. Has evangelicalism become your way to God? <clears throat> Has evangelicalism become your way to God? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Have you leached on to a form of religion? And, and it's evangelical in nature and Christian, and you look like a Christian. You need to leech on to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and let Him change your, your heart, and your heart will affect your attitude and your behaviors. Are you in any way grieving the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Is there any part of your life where you're grieving the Lord? The things that you see, the things that you say, the way that you behave, the neglect of the Word of God or prayer in your life, is there any way you're grieving the Holy Spirit? 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. You're quenching the Spirit in any way. Confess that to the Lord this morning. So write down ways and worship team, why don't you guys come up? I'm going to bring this to a close here. Write down ways in which your heart has become hard. And this is a short list. There's a longer, much longer list here. Legalism as opposed to living in the freedom of the Lord. Pride as opposed to behaving in humility and treating one another with respect and honor and humbly looking at others above yourself. Counterfeit, as opposed to being authentic. (laughs) Hiding maybe what's going on in here. Unforgiveness, is there someone you need to forgive and you have not forgiven them? Right now you're saying, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I don't know what they've done to you. But I know that God wants to free you this morning and have you forgive them. And if you're not forgiving them, there's hardness in your heart and you're being chained to them. God wants to break those chains. So you need to forgive them. How about judgmental? God has called you to love, not judge. He's given us the easy part. He sits at the right hand. We don't. I'm sure glad he didn't say, go and judge one another. Man, that that would stink. Then we'd have a right to be hated. (laughs) And how do I know when to judge someone correctly or not? I can show his love. I can certainly speak his truth over the lies. Okay? How about stereotyping and generalizing? That was a mark of 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. We need, if any, you ever use those people? Talk about black people as those people? Or talk about police officers as those people? Or immigrants as those people? Marginalizing groups of people? In any way, it's a sin. Any of that is a sin. You need to repent of that this morning. How about cynicism? You've stopped letting other believers yes be yes and no be no. Us older folks, we look down at the younger generation as what's happened to them. They're not really following Jesus like I did. We've got to repent of that. 
Apathy. Have you become sluggish, lazy Christian? Where are you serving? Are you serving the Lord right now? Tell me about it. Whether it be in the church or in your community or at work, I want to hear about how you're serving the Lord. Otherwise, I want to hear about your apathy. And that needs to be confessed. Jesus says you're not hot or cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Okay. And selfishness, not on that list, but God wants us to be generous. All right. Any of these things can be confessed to the Lord. I want to give you time to do that. Then I want you to get to the fun part of offering opportunity for the elders to anoint you with oil. And I want you to think about if you believe Jesus can heal and if you have any need in your life, would you consider coming up for that? We'll do that in a few minutes. Again, I want just time to respond. If you need to repent of anything, um, this is your opportunity to do that. And I'll come back up here in a few minutes and I'll lead us. Uh, I'll probably, pretty much what I'll do is just so you know, I'm going to close our service, but invite people then to come up for healing, for anointing. Again, we'll do that in a few minutes after we have a chance to respond. So why don't you guys go ahead and lead us in song here. And then I'll come back up, close the service, and give people opportunity to come up to receive anointing with oil and prayer. And elders and and other people who feel invested in wanting to pray for others, just be ready to do that. church that um, realized they were praising the Lord and they would come to worship. They would sing songs that were just words or play music and um, they realized the Lord really was looking into their heart. He went to their heart and so they felt very sad that they had um, failed the Lord as they worshipped him. So think about that as you're singing the song. If you failed the Lord and when you come to worship him, are you worshiping him with your whole heart? Just to breathe something that 
just give a little bit of instruction and then I'll, I'll close our time and you'll be welcome to, to stay or to go. Um, but let me just give you some instruction first. Uh, if you're on Facebook Live, we want you to be able to participate in this. And if you have a request for that you need prayer for healing or whatever it would be, um, we have one of our elders who's uh, monitoring those requests right now and is praying over them. I know a request has already come in and just know I've, I've already been praying um, over that request. So we have an elder who's assigned and he's watching in it and you'll, he'll, he'll respond to you on Facebook Live there. So message there and, and then we'll, if we need to do further than just praying for you uh, and meeting with you, we'd certainly be happy to do that. For those that are, are here with us this morning, uh, we're going to have two stations set up, Eric and, and whoever else, elders and other leaders who want to come and help pray over here and I'll be over here with whoever else. Uh, wants to join me, we'll have mask on and um, we'll be wearing gloves and we'll anoint um, you with oil via cotton ball. So if you feel, if you want to, if you're concerned about um, COVID-19, we're just taking some of those safety precautions and we're praying for healing. So it's kind of like double, double there protection. Um, but I just want to challenge you what I, what I said before. Do you believe that Jesus can heal? And if you're sick right now, would you, why would you not come forward? And, and to me, how do we do that? Well, I do look at the instructions from the Scriptures. In, uh, in James uh, chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. And it goes on to say we confess our sins to one another. And trust that you did that in, in the time of response. So we're going to practice that. And again, if you're struggling, either physically or mentally, why not? Why not? You go to the doctors, go to the healer. So I'm just inviting you and encouraging you to come forward and see what the Lord might have for you this morning. I don't know if he will. I know he'll hear you and he'll respond. It'll be yes. It'll be no. It'll be wait. But he'll respond to you. So with that, I'm going to close our time together. And if you'd like to receive uh, anointing with oil and prayer, I'm going to have you come sit on this bench here and then or sit on that bench and elders, leaders, whoever's going to be praying. Let's keep it brief. Let's just go to the Lord and pray for what they're requesting. Um, and if there's, a, if, there's a, if there's not a line, then maybe you'll be able to spend a little more time. Um, but, but just wait. When that person moves, the next person can come and sit and we'll, we'll pray. So with that, let me have you stand and I'll close our time together. And then we'll get praying here. Notice we didn't have a specific set prayer time in the middle of our service like we normally do. Um, this is our specific set prayer time. So you're welcome. If you have no need, you're welcome to stay here and just pray over what's going on here or be up here and praying. However the Lord would lead you. 
Lord Jesus, I pray for miracles this morning, Lord. I pray for those who are physically ill to be healed uh, this morning, Lord. I pray for those who've struggled uh, with mental illness that you would bring about healing uh, this morning, Lord. And for those whose hearts are hardened, Lord, I pray that you would take their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Lord, let those who have hearts of stone this morning come forward and just say, I want the heart of flesh from the Lord this morning. Lord, let there be prayers going over that this morning. So we love you. We worship you, Lord, in spirit and truth. Lord, you get all the glory and honor and power. That is due your name. We give that to you this morning. It is yours. Lord, I pray for each and every one here to see who you are this morning. And, and Lord, in one vein, I want to be like the Pharisees, knowing that you could potentially heal somebody. Lord, I just want to see if you will. Lord, I'm like a little kid on Christmas looking under the Christmas tree. I want to see what you're going to do this morning, Lord. I just pray that we can all have that anticipation, Lord, that expectation that you're going to do something. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Go to love God, love others, and live to serve. Again, we'll be ready to anoint you with oil if you'd like to, to, to stay after here. Again, just come and sit in the, in the front, uh, one of these benches here. And if there's someone there, just kind of wait in the shadows, and we'll make sure we get to you, okay? Or sit in the pew, and we'll have you go next. Thank you, sir.